Father, you, your Son, and blessed Holy Spirit hold all the keys to this life. There is not a door that opens or closes without your knowledge and permission. May we never rebel against this knowledge thinking that we hold these keys. May we trust in you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength today. In Jesus' name, amen. Speaking of trust and knowing that God holds the keys, we were praying for Big John and his wife, Anne, for jobs. And praise the Lord, they both were given job offers just recently. So praise the Lord. Thank you for praying. We must pray for one another. We must trust in our God and King, knowing that he holds these keys so important that I entitled today's episode Keys number 243. We might as well just go ahead and join in worship with those in our reading today in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10 and 13. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them that was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And I will repeat, will you repeat with me, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. He is the one who holds the keys. He is the one who who has all power. Glory to his name. It's him who I worship. It's him who I trust in in today. And by his grace, I will trust in him and live by the faith that he has given me that will endure to the end and bring honor to his holy name, even while on this earth and in this flesh. And by the way, all the land concerning this earth is Israel's. It belongs to to Christ and his church. The Antichrist, they rejoice in that we do not have control of this land for now. But our day with Christ will come. And believe me, he is in control. We're working on his timeline, not ours. He's the one who has the keys. We read in Ezekiel 25, 6, For thus saith the Lord God, Because thou hast clapped thy hands and stamped with the feet and rejoiced in heart with all thy despite against the land of Israel. Except he alone will lead the charge physically here on earth. I repeat, he alone will lead this charge physically here on earth. Not any man that's led by a political movement, even if it's called Christian nationalism. There is a nation that's above all nations. Therefore, for those who pray, worship, and sing before the throne of Almighty God, that is the only nationalism that I wish to be found a part of. 
Revelation 5, 8 through 10, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We shall reign on the earth with Jesus Christ, our King. So you can invest in these Christian nationalist movements, as many as done and so in the past. You can invest in American Christian nationalism if you want. But listen to this. My citizenship is my nationalism. I'm a tax-paying American citizen. I've served this country 22 years in the army to defend my family, people, and nation. Why? Because God placed me here to serve him and his holy nation where my nationalism resides. Holy nation, which is above all nations that we read about and I've recited over and over. We need to memorize this first first Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into into a marvelous light, which is very consistent with our reading in Revelation. I got an email today from a brother in Christ. He said this was a great episode today concerning the episode entitled Number 242, United Scum. He says, this was a great episode. You are tracking with this message and line of thought. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is giving you inspiration in this matter. He said there was something about the whole America first, now morphed into Christian nationalism movement that didn't sit well with my spirit from the beginning. He said that my flesh wanted to say, yeah, right on. But he said, my spirit said, no. And he says that with all caps on that no with an exclamation mark. And and I agree, brother. And a sister in Christ had replied to this and says, that is the way I felt about this movement as well. So here we see that the Spirit speaks, but for some reason, there are those who continue to double down across the board. Andrew Torba had reposted a post from Canon Press And they have a video that I did not watch. All I know is that he quoted, uh, or Canon Press shared a quote, says, very last civil leader, be he in the executive, legislative, or judicial branch of our government, is a servant of the triune Christian God. And servants, after all, must obey their masters. You know, and I read these types of statements, and I see the American flag that's, that's so prominently displayed by this this Christian nationalist ideology that believes that all those that are put into government are, are, are supposed to be Christians, God-fearing Christians, that is. And this is not true because God sets up the government. Has, has all government been Christian people in the past? Was Pilate initially a Christian? Maybe he came one before he died. I don't know. But when he stood in front of Jesus Christ. Was he a Christian? 
These people don't get it. They don't get it, the fact that God is in control. He puts people in place, in governments for judgment or blessing. God is the governor of the nations. I can't make it any more clearer because the word of God can't make it any more clearer. We read in Jeremiah chapter 25, 31 through 32, A noise shall come even to the ends of the earth, for the Lord hath a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh. He will give them that are wicked to the sword, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation. And a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the coast of the earth. So it's clear that the Lord allows certain even evil men to rise to power as he pronounces judgment upon the nations. Who are we to resist this judgment? God is sovereign. God is holy. Jeremiah 51.11 Make bright the arrows, gather the shields. The Lord hath raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes. God had raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes for his devices against Babylon to destroy it because it is the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance of his temple. This is why we got to get this eschatology straight. Because pre-millennialism is based on the timeline of Christ, knowing that he is in control, knowing that there will be signs that are indicators of specific points on this timeline. Notably, if you have not read it, read Matthew chapter 24. And these signs are also sprinkled out through the New Testament. These signs include apostasy, wars, false prophets, false Christs, persecution, blasphemies. Lack of love and strong delusion. It's in this eschatology that Christ has all the dominion and that Christ is in control and that Christ holds the keys. Another argument is the post-millennial argument and it's based on the timeline of Ben and their faithfulness or lack thereof to preach the gospel and effect conversions that will result in minimal evil during a thousand year period that will cultivate in the second coming of Jesus Christ along with his final judgment. They believe that we are in this millennial period at this point. They believe that man has taken dominion and that man is in control. And then there's a, another view called amillennialism that rejects a literal thousand years, literal reign of Christ. And along with this post-millennialism, believes that Satan is currently bound for an unspecified symbolic 1,000-year period with an unknown second coming of Christ in judgment. Now, without going into great depth, I can espouse pre-millennialism based on the fact that evil has not been minimized, the days of Noah are evident, an apostasy or a falling away is underway, and a strong delusion grows. You are blind if you do not see these things. It is also evident that the mentioned signs of Matthew 24 are growing more profound as the days go by. And then finally, there are descriptive passages that clearly detail a physical reign of Christ our Lord for 1,000 literal years here on earth that will conclude in the releasing of Satan and then a great war called Armageddon that will be smashed by Almighty God. And then the final judgment. 
Now, this idea of Christians capturing the nations is ludicrous and converting them or baptizing them is ludicrous. If you do not have the power to take dominion over your own children's salvation, what in the literal hell makes you think that we can personally take dominion of the salvation of any nation? Especially a nation that refuses to repent, let alone a child who refuses to repent. Do not be afraid to tell those who think such, who think that they have the keys or that they're in control, as much as we ought not to be afraid to tell a faithless child that you love them and that you do not want to see them go down a wrong path, that you do not want to see them go to hell. You hate your child and you hate your country if you do not tell them the truth and you are selfish if you sugarcoat their eternity because you do not want to face their lack of faith and the fruit thereof. You are even more despicable if you have told this truth to impress or deceive others into thinking that you are responsible for your children's salvation or that you are responsible for the salvation of this country even called America. Speaking of youth, there's a 16-year-old young man whom I know. I will not mention who he is because he values his privacy But he just landed his first regular hourly job with a local elementary school as a part-time janitor. Very excited about it. He had to go through two interviews, which extremely impressed the school district and principal. Not to mention the three impressive written references he earned through odd jobs that he has accomplished and even a summer commercial fishing job this past summer. Now, when he arrived to the district for his orientation, he was let go because of a cast that was just put on his arm for a lingering injury to a bone in his hand. Now, needless to say, this broke his heart. And I had the opportunity to speak with him concerning this. And I told him, that this matter was brought before the throne of God and that God knows that the cast is on his arm and that he always has a plan for for him and I, even if it does not make sense at the moment. Finally, I reminded him that this will be one of the many setbacks that he will experience throughout his life because it's never a matter of these setbacks occurring. It's a matter of trusting God, knowing that he alone holds the keys, knowing Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And I want this young man to know, and I want the world to understand that the Lord has a plan for you and I, no matter what is thrown at us by this world. And I will continue to repeat, Jesus holds the power. Jesus is the answer. Jesus has the keys. Never underestimate prayer unto our God and King. This Son of Man, Jesus Christ, holds the keys to the knowledge that we read about in the book. For he is the Word of God, Revelation chapter 5, verse 5 through 7. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, 
The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. No man was worthy to hold these keys. No man is worthy to read the mysteries of heaven and the kingdom. Revelation 5.4, And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Now, this is most likely due to failure to understand and to submit fully to the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that he's in complete control. If we do not surrender to this fact, why should the mysteries of heaven and kingdom be revealed to you and I? We know that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The problem is, is that very few fear him today. May you and I continue to strive for mastery in the earthly volume that we have been given, known as the Bible, because this in itself would take lifetimes. I, I've been studying the Bible since 1993, and I feel like I'm just still scratching the surface. And for all the naysayers who say that the Bible is just a book, I will let you know God happens to enjoy books. Revelation 5.1, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. So it's no surprise. It should be no surprise at all that he has orchestrated this book called the Bible in the Old and New Testaments that you and I have. The same Bible that has lost its authority in the churches of America when it should be the sole authority. It's this indifference towards the Word of God that has defiled our churches, that has led to our destruction. We must get back to the Word of God. Ezekiel 25.3, and say unto the Ammonites, hear the word of the Lord. You'll see this over and over in this very book. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, because thou sayest, aha, against my sanctuary when it was profaned, against the land of Israel when it was desolate, and against the house of Judah when they went into captivity. And people laugh off the blasphemies against the churches in this country, and it should not be so. We should mourn every single church that closes its doors, every church that flies an antichrist flag as a middle finger pointed towards our holy God. All of this will lead to destruction, maybe even very well destruction from the east, as we read in verse 4, Ezekiel 25, Behold, therefore I will deliver thee to the men of the east for a possession, and they shall set their palaces in thee, and make their dwellings in thee. They shall eat thy fruit, and they shall drink thy milk. And I suppose this is why you will not hear very many verses from Ezekiel 25 preached in churches in America today. You will not hear 
Ezekiel 25, 17, and I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I shall lay my vengeance upon them. You're not going to hear this verse preached by the mass majority of commercial churches in America. And then, then you wonder why this country is going to hell in a handbasket. You say, well, why? Why won't they preach it? Because it affects their bottom line, mammon, dollar signs, money. And then these same people say that they're the ones holding the keys. I think not, my friends. I think not. Psalm 62. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall you be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly, Selah. My soul wait, thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity and men of high degree are a lie to be laid in the balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. I pray that this episode of Gospel was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.